Matthew 2, 1 through 15, and it starts out this way. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi, otherwise known as wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Uh, some of the translation, instead of at its rising, uh, says in the east. Uh, and so uh, what happened is that the Magi, first off, we don't know if it was three. Uh, we don't know how many of them. The Bible actually never really states. There's some traditions that say things, but we don't really know. Uh, and they came in, they found their way, and they were looking for uh, Jesus. They had followed the star, which means they were either uh, stargazers, astronomers. Again, we don't know for sure what that exactly means. But they found themselves in um, the, the area looking for the newborn. Herod, who was the king of the Jews at that time, gets, gets wind of this. And Herod sends his people. Herod had a, a group of, um, I guess the better word, he had his own, like, he had his military, but he had his own, like, personal military. Uh, he had spies that would help him to uh, get word of what everyone else was doing. Before social media, uh, he couldn't just click on something, but he had his people that were always aware of what was going on. And so word got to him that these guys were looking for something. And he calls them in to his kingdom, his office. And he sits down with them and he says, tell me what you're, what you're doing. And they say, according to uh, our, our charts, according to the sky, according to all of this stuff, uh, we are here and we are searching for the king of the Jews. Now that uh, throws Herod off because Herod is the king of the Jews. And so just by their, their answering honestly to his questions, he now is feeling threatened. And he says, uh, tell you what, I want you to do whatever it takes to find out where this person is. Uh, he checks with his people and they look back on the scriptures and they look back on uh, prophecy and they say, no, there is someone that's supposed to be born that it will be the king of the Jews. And so Herod tells the, 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 the wise guys to go and do whatever they can to find him. Herod said, so I can, I can worship him too. Now this uh, probably isn't the first time a politician has ever lied, uh, but he's lying. Uh, what he wants to do is annihilate whatever problem or threat he sees coming. And so the, the Magi, they continue their search and they are following, uh, according to Scripture, they're following a star. And it brings them to the, the place where Joseph, Mary, and Jesus are staying. Now, um, this, uh, historically, we don't think that this happened on, the, on Christmas Eve. Uh, I know that destroys all of your nativity sets at home. But uh, what you can actually do is take the manger down on Christmas and just keep the Magi there if you want for a while because they came later. Um, and so Joseph and, and Mary are kind of, uh, have a 
set up residency. They're not, they're not sitting there with donkeys and any, anymore and stuff. And they see the baby Jesus. And they immediately give them gifts. And the gifts are a little bit odd. Um, but they want, I don't, it doesn't know who or what, but in a dream it says that they are warned not to tell Herod what they have found. And so they go out a different way and they don't tell Herod. And that makes Herod even more upset. And he uh, is getting a little bit jealous and envious and all of this stuff. And meanwhile, Joseph then, in a dream, is told, do not stay here. Uh, Herod does not want the best for your child. Herod wants to destroy your child. So you need to flee to Egypt, which is what they did in the dark of night. And that's the, the story that we are covering right now, is this uh, dramatic story of these folks coming in. And in a way, uh, they are they're representative of uh, the honoring of Jesus, but they're also kind of bringing danger a little bit because they're bringing awareness of Jesus to somebody in a kingdom that uh, does not feel comfortable with that. And I just want to, I want to talk about some of the, the star players in this so that we can kind of get a gist of the characters that are in this story. And the first one is we're going to talk about the Magi. Now, I know I have three people there, but we, again, we don't know uh, exactly that much about them. We don't know how many there were. Uh, some folks believe they, they were kings themselves from the East. Um, they were either astrologers or something. They, they followed uh, the sky. They followed stars. Uh, they are believed in that region at the time to be a Zoroastrian priest. Now, that was an ancient um, Iranian um, faith that kind of believed in... Uh, they, they said it was one God with two personalities, but it, it can be kind of two... They believed in a good uh, God and an evil God. But they weren't Jewish. They, they weren't uh, people that were uh, followers of any of this faith. They, were not, uh, they would not be very familiar with the prophecy that Herod's people had told. They just knew by the ways that they follow that a king was going to be born. Okay? So they came from a different direction, a different road, if you would. Jewish people of the day, Israelites of the day, because of the way that they followed the, the astronomy, because of the way that they uh, did all this stuff, they would not see them as wise people. In fact, they would see them as foolish because they were people that followed something different. They were people that did not follow their traditions or anything about that. They, did, uh, know, they didn't have the backstory of all of the prophecy or any of this stuff, so they would be not considered high praise at that time. So the, the, the term magi came a little bit later. Witnesses at the time would say, you know, I mean, we have people that have followed different things, and they get called foolish. And that might be exactly the reputation that the magi were receiving at this time. They were outsiders, and they didn't really follow, so they were dumb, what we called them. They brought weird gifts. Uh, this is not something that you would bring to a, a, a baby being born. And it has nothing to do, again, with Jewish custom. There is nothing that, is, that this 
really makes sense to. So have you ever received an odd present or something that you don't like and you put on a happy face and you just think, what in the world is this? That's kind of probably what was going on at this time because the meaning was even weird too because you have like gold as a gift that was precious and stuff and it was given to oftentimes, it was representative of royalty, it was representative of kingship. You have frankincense, which was an incense that was burned oftentimes to honor a deity. And then you have myrrh, which was used as embalming. So, Merry Christmas. Here's, you know, a, a nice ring for you. This will make your place smell good and uh, happy dead. You know, I mean, this is weird stuff. And so, the, again, these guys are seen as just strange outsiders. Now, if you're t again, if you're telling the story, it's interesting to have a stranger come in that has nothing to do, nothing to do with the basics of the story. Matthew is all about uh, talking to people at, at the time that it was written. It was, its primary audience is believed to be people that were Jewish but were uh, becoming Jesus followers. And so it's weird that they would put in a character that has nothing to do with either one of them, that actually has something to do with possibly a different faith altogether, a different tradition altogether. And they are coming to verify in our story that Jesus is the king of the Jews. Then you have Herod. Uh, Herod was an interesting guy. He's, uh, some, there, there, are, there are historians that really credit him for some amazing achievements. And then there are people that think that he was maniacal and evil. Um, well, if you're going to have your wife killed and your sons, doesn't make a good Christmas card. Um, he rose to power mainly because his father was very influential. Uh, you could almost say that his father got him the job. He was a king of manipulation. Once he had his foot in the door, his father was, uh, had a, a friendship basically with Caesar at the time, but once Herod got into the door, he knew how to schmooze. He knew how to win people over that he wanted to win over. He knew how to say things at the right time in the right place that would help him rise in power. That's what he was all about manipulation and uh, conning people basically into giving him a step up into his uh, 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 government official uh, position. He focused primarily on uh, real estate, building. Uh, these three here things here are just a, a few things that he built. Uh, he was very much into, I mean, he renovated or re remodeled the... Um, the temple made it a lot bigger than it, than it ever was. Uh, he was all about uh, giving himself uh, kind of hideaway places. He was all about uh, building things that were like when you came into his place, you would be impressed by it. A lot of historians say that his main motive to build those things was to create for himself a legacy, to put his name on everything, his stamp on everything. And in this sense, he was actually right because when we do think of Herod, we do think of a lot of these buildings and a lot of these stuff. And a lot of these things, uh, remnants of them are still around today. The temple, in many uh, historic ways, is known as Herod's temple. 
which upset a lot of the Jewish leaders at the time. Then this is another thing. He proclaimed to be a practicing Jew. Jew. Uh, Blood-wise, he was not Jewish, which uh, would upset religious leaders at the time because to them, you had to have been, uh, it was all about carrying on the lineage, you know, from David on and everything like that. And so it was about this, and so he's kind of not part of that. But he claims that he was a, a, a practicer of the faith. But he did things that would actually question that. If you have a temple, the one thing that you don't want to do is defile it. And defiling it is by putting other things of worship into it. And that's one of the things he did. He would build this temple, but he was in constant argument with the religious leaders because they would say this is the way that the, the, basically the, uh, the, 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 the Torah, the instructions, the, the tradition, this is the way it says. But he would, was more about building his legacy and schmoozing the right people. And right in one of the entranceways of the temple, he put a big, giant eagle. And the eagle at the time was a way of actually worshiping Rome the Roman leaders at the time, which would defile the entire system. And it, would, it was a way that Herod was playing both games. But for someone that said that he was part of the Jewish people, he really repressed them very much. He would tax them. He would hurt them. He would uh, have his spies go and look for protesters. And if he found protesters, he would annihilate them. He was against any type of um, resistance any type of even the religious people trying to argue with him about that he is not following the faith or that he is not promoting the faith, he would have arguments and so forth with them. How does this fit into the story of Christ? Let's look at these two, Joseph and Mary. By the way, just a side note, you know what? Uh, when you're looking for imagery to put on the board here, I usually don't put a lot of imagery about uh, Jesus or anything like that, truthfully, because it's hard to find one that historically represents the complexion that Jesus might have or his family. It's very easy when you're looking at things like the uh, a Herod or uh, the Magi to find imagery of people of different color. But when you try to type in like Joseph and Mary, they all uh, look very European. And so this is uh, kind of a, a shadowed image here, uh, and it's the best I, I could do. But I, I just, I like to throw in the history of uh, Christ represents all colors, all people, all cultures. That's important for me to just say there. Politically, Joseph and Mary were insignificant. Uh, Joseph carried the bloodline of King David, but that had been long ago. And that bloodline, that, that'd be like me saying that uh, I'm somehow uh, related to uh, George Washington. You'd go, oh, interesting, but I'm not, you know, not going to pay you for that or anything like that. Uh, they were poor. They were, he was a person that worked with his hands. Uh, the the, the uh, term a carpenter is one that we use, but uh, it, it actually meant that he just he, he did work, worked with his hands. So we can almost picture him as a person that uh, did odd jobs or, or needed to, to help with uh, whatever. He was a laborer, and there was not a ton of money in that. Um, they were not par- powerful people. Uh, they were not people that were even noticeable. It's really important that you know that. 
the, the parents, the earth parents of Jesus would pass you on the street and you would not know it. They were insignificant. But they were faithful. When God informed them that they were going to have this child, they agreed. That's a faithful move. Uh, when Joseph was told that Mary was pregnant, but not by him, that's a faithful move. To move, uh, to have this baby meant that they thought beyond themselves. To sacrifice, they knew that they were coming into a hard time. They thought outwardly. It's very, very important for us to think outwardly. We often think about inward, ourselves. Churches do that. We, we think it, we, we mix it up and we what's comfortable for us and what looks good for us and what's easy for us. And we sometimes churches forget to even think about the person that's coming that hasn't been here yet. That's what the birth of Christ was all about. It was about the people that had not known who these guys were. And they welcomed the stranger. Isn't it ironic that the story of Jesus being born is not about royalty coming to the door or people that they knew coming to the door. It was about strangers coming to the door. It was about insignificant shepherds coming to the door. It was about people that were not considered high-ranking Jews come to the door. It was about outsiders visiting, and they welcomed them. We talk so much about politicians. We, have, we, we yell things at... Uh, each other. We put things on social media. We chant things at sporting events. Our life seems to be consumed about which person you are following politically. The only politician in this story is the one they avoided. We don't find we don't find our Savior through one person in an office. This story proves to us that if you want to find the Savior, you better welcome the outsider. You better welcome the people that are not like you. You better look for that Savior in places that seem insignificant. It's not about looking for the most powerful person on earth. It's not about looking for the most powerful country. It's not about looking for power. It's about looking at a lowly people that celebrate love. If you want to really get in touch with the Savior, it's not about social media presence. It's not about the news station. It's not about the person in office. It's about a baby that was born very, very poor. And about people that were not supposed to be part of the story, being part of the story. The significance in the birth of Christ comes from the insignificant. And if we want to find our true relationship with Christ, 
We need to find our place there. The person that walks past you on the street that you might not want to invite into your home, they have a story in this. I pray that we think about that this year. As, as we have our stresses and everything and we're getting ready for the holidays and stuff and it's about inviting and all of this stuff, I want us to think about that first story where outsiders that were considered foolish came in, met the high political person and chose to go another way and instead sat and brought gifts to a little child of a poor family, of an outcast, because they had faith. I just want us to think about that when we think about the story. There's a reason that it was written to where this story came together by the help of outsiders. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we all want a connection with you. Sometimes we look in incorrect in ways. We try to seek you in other places. We look for shiny things and power. We look for the, the wave of popularity. Help us remember the true story and where it came from and the, the parts that were played in that story. Help us remember the insignificant because there is, in your, in your loving kingdom, there is no such thing as insignificant. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. So often we are in a world where we live by shiny things. We look at the latest technology, the, 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 the material things, the, the things that make us look good. Um, I'm still searching for that. But um, thanks for laughing. Um, I pray that as we continue to celebrate what is a... Um, a very special time that we remember that everybody is special, uh, that that was the point, uh, that there is a role being played out in this story that is sending us a message, and that message is that nobody is insignificant, that the places that you look for power uh, are often found in the poorest communities. May we seek it, may we find it, and may we welcome it and share it. Love God, love yourself, and love your neighbor. Amen.